This is Susan B. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out. Once again, talking with Dr. Ellen Safdie, a world-renowned internist and gastroenterologist with encyclopedic knowledge of mind-body wellness and preventative medicine. This coming summer, 2020, in Telluride at the Peaks Resort and Hotel, Dr. Allen will once again lead an intensive wellness retreat that's happening in July, August, and September, and he will be using evidence-based scientific approach to health and longevity for the classwork. Dr. Safdie will be assisted by yoga and Pilates instructors, athletic trainers, dietitians, and chefs who work for the Peaks. Call 1-877-448-5416 for further information or head to the Telluride Longevity Institute.org. That's just Telluride Longevity Institute.org. This week, Dr. Allen is talking about a diet trend called intermittent fasting. Dr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Susan. This is a fascinating topic. Okay, let's begin with some very with some basics. How does intermittent fasting actually work? Okay. Um, well, I mean, everybody has their own definition for that. Um, so, you know, first I usually tell everybody that there's going to be fad diets and always changes to the status quo. Um, sometimes they're beneficial and sometimes not. And fasting has been around for eons. Um, human beings, we didn't always eat. We didn't have an abundance of food. We didn't have a grocery store. We didn't have Whole Foods down the street. Um, and fasting is a way for people to become more mindful about, you know, the food choices that you're making, uh, when you eat and what you're eating. And, but the definitions of intermittent fasting are quite different in lots and lots of studies. Uh, some people would say, okay, I'm only eating four hours out of the day. I'm eating six hours out of the day. I'm eating eight hours of the day. I'm fasting two days a week. I'm fasting every other day. Um, so, you know, let's, look at fasting or, you know, and ketogenic diets in regards to, you know, we did a survey looking at the top five physician recommended diets. Um, Ketogenic was the least recommended of those. Only one in 20 doctors recommended that. And that's a diet really low in carbs and moderate protein, very high in fat. Um, Vegan was next at 6%. But fasting, this intermittent fasting, when you asked all physicians that actually treat people with these diseases, it was only 7% of doctors recommended it for optimal health. Um, and again, it's looking at restricting or eating to certain time periods instead of what or how much you eat. We're focusing more of when you eat. Um, and unfortunately, in a lot of the intermittent fasting, people were skipping breakfast. And that's something we can talk about, the downsides of skipping breakfast. Um, and there's some significant drawbacks to that. Um, disordered eating, dis, you know, disrupted sleep patterns, decreased alertness, uh, increased cortisol levels, all can occur. And if somebody has diabetes, low blood sugars uh, can occur. Not surprisingly, the number one recommended diet by over half of all doctors uh, that treat diseases related to obesity was the Mediterranean diet. And the DASH diet, which is very similar, uh, was recommended by 16% of doctors. But fasting was really down the list um, from what's mm-hmm. recommended. I'm not saying that it's bad, um, but there are some downsides, and we're going to talk about some really new, fascinating scientific information we have in regards to skipping meals, especially breakfast. Okay. Well, thank you for the segue. Based on recent studies, please talk about when it is best to eat. Well, I mean, again, everything is individualized, but I'm going to give you some 
a couple of studies that really are well done studies. Um, some epidemiologic studies in, you know, are not as well done um, as, you know, studies that are done in a laboratory. So th there's a study recently um, just published this month, actually published two days ago, eating breakfast, you know, the headline was eating breakfast may protect against cardiovascular disease. I believe that was headline. And it was out of China uh, well before COVID-19. And what they did is look at increase in death rates and cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality, and it went up substantially in those that were skipping breakfast. Now, that's a study that's what's called an epidemiologic study. You look back and ask, have a questionnaire, did you eat breakfast, didn't you? You look to see if they had heart disease. It doesn't tell me, did the group that skipped breakfast um, eat bacon later in the day, have a terrible diet, did which group exercised mm -hmm. the most? So it's not a laboratory-produced study. Um, but again, a worrisome study. Um, you know, we have to say, geez, there's a significant 22% increase in cardiovascular disease if one's skipping breakfast, that may be not worthwhile. So uh, these studies were done in a lab. Um, and in what they did in one of the studies, and it was done in the U.S. with Donna Vanderbilt, was the first set of tests researchers presented one of three daily meals as breakfast, whereas in the second, uh, the team presented food equal nutrition to the same subjects as a late evening sack. Um, they consumed, they exercised the same, they consumed about the same amount of food, physical activity was the same, the, you know, everything was the same. So what we're really looking at is circadian rhythms. Um, as you know, um, we secrete more cortisol in the morning, less in the afternoon. We have our own biologic rhythm. Everybody does. And when you're eating breakfast, it increases metabolism during sleep. Um, the, you know, the daily timing of nutrient availability coupled with the body's increased metabolism during sleep flip the switch on to fat burning. Uh, so the late evening snack session resulted in less lipids, less fats being oxidized than the breakfast session. Um, so it really kind of confirms that the timing of meals may be important as well as what we eat. It's the timing of meals. Uh, are we going to be storing more in the body in regards to fat? There's another study that it's extremely well done looking at thermogenesis, and it's a journal of clinical endocrinology. Um, and our body spends energy when we digest food. So if you eat, you're spending energy. It takes energy to digest that food. Um, we call that diet-induced thermogenesis. So as you eat, you're creating heat, that's the calories, um, mm -hmm. and we can look at how well our metabolism is working and can differ depending upon meal times. So again, this was done with 16 men who consumed a low-calorie breakfast and a high-calorie dinner and vice versa. So they consumed the same amount. So one was a high-calorie breakfast and a lower-calorie dinner and identical calorie consumption, but they had 2.5 times the amount of diet-induced thermogenesis in the morning and those that ate the high-calorie breakfast and the lower-calorie uh, dinner later in the day. Um, so the food-induced increase in blood sugar, insulin concentration, um, diminished after breakfast compared with dinner. Uh, so eating, in essence, eating a low-calorie uh, breakfast increased appetite, especially for sweets also. So, you know, the recommendation out of that was, we recommended, and I'm going to give you their summary, we recommend that patients with obesity as well as healthy people eat a large breakfast rather than a large dinner. 
So you're consuming more of your calories, which is a lot of what a lot of us do, is we consume more of our calories for breakfast and for lunch than for dinner. So it makes sense that we are not a static organism. All our, if we look at our hormones in our body, they differ by at the time of day. Um, if we look at insulin secretion, it differs. If we look at all these different things, they differ during the day. Um, so we were really meant to eat, at least by these last two studies, and then the epidemiologic cardiovascular disease study, eating more calories and not skipping breakfast, so having a decent breakfast. But everybody should realize they should be looking at the type of foods they're eating as well as when we're eating. Okay. So sum up then with regard to this fad called intermittent, intermittent fasting. You know, it, it may work for people. Um, is it going to work long term? I think of the reason a lot of doctors don't recommend, you know, intermittent fasting um, long term is we really want to emphasize the quality of food that people eat as well as when they eat. Um, you know, some people graze throughout the day on really high calorie, unhealthy foods. Uh, so intermittent fasting may work very well for them. They're going to be more conscious of what they're eating. Um, but you know, the way intermittent fasting works for the vast majority of people, they only eat during that set period of time. Um, but if you fast and then gorge yourself on a super high fat pizza and bacon, uh, for dinner, it's not going to work. Uh, so if people want to do that and limit their calories, I think you could combine both and having a decent higher calorie breakfast and moderate calorie a midday meal, and then a very lower-calorie dinner. You know, that would substitute as intermittent fasting. The other way people, and they don't conceptualize, fasting means we're taking in less calories than what we're utilizing. So some people fast by, you know, Susan, I know you hike a lot. So mm-hmm. you may take in a reasonable diet, but you're out using up 2,000 calories during that day on one of your long hikes. Um, that is a form of fasting. So can we fast by taking in less calories than we need by doing more exercises. And, you know, that's another benefit of exercise. It's another way of fasting. Um, So I think it may work for some people. It is not one of the most recommended diets um, that we have among physicians. Um, And it's very hard, but in various studies, uh, we found both good and bad results from intermittent fasting. Um, So we found... Benefits of glucose control and blood pressure lowering, yes, but would it have happened with weight loss alone? We don't know because they weren't well controlled. Uh, there are downsides also to the intermittent fasting. So I think it's something people can consider, but it is not something that most physicians will recommend on a long-term basis. Okay, thank you very much. This has been Susan B. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out, talking this week with Dr. Alan Softy about intermittent fasting in the context of all the diet options out there on the market. Dr. Allen, once again, is returning to to the Peaks Hotel this summer to lead wellness intensives. Call 1-877-448-5416 or go to TellurideLongevityInstitute.org for further information. Dr. Allen, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too.